Hello and welcome to the Inside Elland Road podcast. This is episode 86 and football is back. Joe Urquhart is with me, Leeds United reporter here at the Yorkshire Evening Post. Joe, it's been a long time since we recorded one of these. It's been an even longer time since Leeds United played football. Um, what what a period this has been. A crazy period. And um, I don't think anyone or any Leeds United fans will have gone this long without football. for Because even when there's a break, like every other year, you basically have a major tournament, don't you, as well, to sort of fill the football summer. So it's been interesting sort of seeing on social media how people have been filling their time. Mine's mainly been filled up with football manager, I think. But I think you've been doing championship manager, haven't you? So I think we're all sort of in the same boat of just trying to find any sort of ounce of sort of realism in in what we've been doing away to try and find some escape back to football. But it's good good to have it back, I guess. Yeah, we will. We'll get to talk about actual football and Sean Kevin and we'll talk about Pablo um, we'll talk about all of that, but first, let's talk about my championship manager exploits this summer, because I've been waiting for an opportunity to really talk about it. Because unfortunately, um, there is no one in this house that wants to hear about it, and, and I've struggled with work colleagues that none of them seem to want to know about it either. Um, and even I interviewed football manager Seb Wassell yesterday. I hope I haven't butchered his surname, Wassell, perhaps. Well, he's a features designer on Football Manager and a Leeds United fan whose job it is to play Football Manager and watch Leeds United. And um, and while we were chatting yesterday, I was interviewing him and he was kind of in the middle of saying something. And I just found myself blurting out, do you know I once won the World Cup with Northern Ireland? And he was he was like, oh, cool. Uh, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> and then I let him carry on. But I just feel like there's all this within me that I need to get out. So very, very quickly, set myself the challenge of getting the Leeds job but starting with Chesterfield. So a little bit of mirroring of my own career, but in, in, in the football sense. Chesterfield were, were tragic. They were in uh, Division 2. I mean, they were so bad. They were expecting to stay up. But, no, expected to put up a brave fight against relegation. No budget, so I had to do everything on a free. I basically sent my scouts out to get me some bargains from here, there and everywhere. Got them up, uh, or sorry, kept them up on the last day of the season. Then the following season, I, I was doing pretty well, mid-table mid table to, to top half, I think. Uh, and then the Wimbledon job came up. And I thought, Here is a, here's an opportunity, Joe, that is a stepping stone towards, towards where I need to be. Sadly, still ground sharing at Sellers Park, so there, there's a limit on what you can do, but took them over, kept them up, took them up, and... Uh, went into the Premier League. Sadly, Leeds were being managed by uh, Christoph Daum, I believe, and he was winning everything in sight. I mean, they won the league a ridiculous amount of times. They won the Champions League, so he was never getting sacked. Eventually, Wimbledon overtook him as the leading force in English football and European football. And it was almost... And I'm going to say this quickly, and maybe people won't remember it. It was almost a step down to move to Elland Road from Wimbledon. And... um, but he did. He did eventually leave his job. I got the Leeds job, and 
and honestly, it's been nothing but glory ever since. They were in Division One. I left the, the reigning European champions, Wimbledon, to take over Leeds in Division One. Relegation threatened Leeds in, in Division One. Um, I took them back into the Prem at the first chance. Uh, and then we've won the Premier League a number of times. And I've just won the European Cup. And I think it may be now at this stage that I'll probably retire. And what I might do is do that thing where people download the, like, the current teams, uh, current Leeds United team, but they play the old championship manager. I think that might be my next uh, thing, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to get that out, uh, just get that out there, and now we can talk about real life. For anyone who's still listening to the podcast, um, didn't you tweet a picture of the Yorkshire, someone from the Yorkshire Post asking you a question or something? That was quite yeah. spooky, wasn't it? Yeah. First of all, the Yorkshire Post had a go. They said that they couldn't. Something like they, they couldn't believe the faith I was keeping in my central defender or someone like that. <laughs> and then the Yorkshire Evening Post questioned my credentials as a, as a promotion or Premier League title contender. Um, sadly, there's no option in the game to ban the local press, but I absolutely would have done for the temerity to question my uh, ability. Um, I love that game. I love that game so much. When I was talking to Seb yesterday, um, he's obviously working on the modern-day game his job is twofold. He's a he's a Leeds United researcher, so he has to watch Leeds, watch every Leeds game twice, and collate all the data and help put in all the attributes, player attributes, the financial structure of the club, all of that to make Leeds lifelike in Football Manager. And he also designs features like uh, Club Vision. He worked on that for the uh, for the most recent game. Um, what a job! What a job that is! Like working on the most well. Maybe not the most beloved football game of all time, the most beloved football management game of all time. He works on it and has to test it, and and that involves setting off twenty or thirty games at once. Can you imagine? I suppose many people might ask if that is actually a job. <laughs> yes, it doesn't really seem fair that, if anything, he should be paying. And I, and I might email Sports Interactive and suggest that that he should be paying to do that rather than because I think. Other people would pay to do that. I will tell you a brief story about my football manager. Just before, I won't go on as much as you, but I'll, I'll just mention <laughs> it. Um, so I started with, I, I downloaded the newest version of the game and I haven't had it for about five years. So when I downloaded it and it comes across and it's like, it's like a, some really complicated edition of like Excel and I was so confused about what you're doing. I just panicked and just went straight to the press conference. Um, so I started out with Bradford City and I think I got promoted from League Two in my first season and I basically just loaned the whole of the Leeds United under 23 squad (laughs) I'm not even even joking I had Edmondson I had Davis I had McCallum on I think I had Gotts playing on (laughs) on the bench and they were all yeah I think Edmondson scored like 35 goals for me or something it was brilliant but the best part about it was I took a job in the championship and I'll, I'll give you two guesses as to who, which team I took over. Bristol City? Yeah, uh, you got it in one. <laughs> <laughs> the, only reason I, the only reason I did it was so that <laughs> Johnson would get sacked <laughs> in my little virtual world to make myself smile in the tough times that we've had in the last three months. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... And it has been it has been tough. Like let's not 
let's not sugarcoat it. This has been a rough period of time for everyone. Life changing. Um, life hasn't come back to normal for the vast majority of people. Football might be back, but supporters are not back. And um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult for people to watch Leeds United on TV. Uh, I know that, that we did a piece of people who hadn't missed games for you know, 30, 40 years, but regardless of whether you go to every other game, you just go to home games or you go to 10 games a season, you know, if you had tickets for any of these games and instead you're going to have to watch it on Sky or on LUTV, it will be a poor, poor substitute for the real thing. Um, and and as it stands, you know, it's still up in the air as to whether we're going to get into away games. We know that we'll be at Elland Road. We have some details on how that's going to work and how it's going to look. It's going to be very different. We'll be, you know, it won't be a post-match press conference in a room with Bielsa. It will be on Zoom shortly after the game. Uh, and there'll be a limited number of journalists allowed into the, the stadium. It'll be behind closed doors. There will be no supporters. There will be no atmosphere. It's going to be very odd. But I think, Joe, I have found the silver lining. Well, there will be no chewing gum game. That's true. I've never thought of that. I'm, you know what? I'm kind of a little bit sad about it. I'm not sad at all because it's absolutely abhorrent. <laughs> used to be a highlight of the match day, though, seeing who would win. But then also, like the slight mini fear of who was going to slip on the sort of recently watered grass in their brand new trainers and, and break their ankle twenty minutes before kickoff was. Was slightly worrying but it's kind of you know but I suppose it goes back to the match day rituals and that you're kind of used to that and football is coming back but not as we know it I guess yeah and it has lost the chewing gum game which is which is great news um have you did you watch any of the the Bundesliga to to take in the the atmosphere and whatnot um, I watched, I did the typical thing of I jumped on the bandwagon for like the first two weeks and then I don't think I've watched a game for a, about a month now. Um, so I dug out my Hertha Berlin scarf because I went to Berlin like once 10 years ago on like a school trip. So that, I chose them <laughs> team. But yeah, I think the the first weekend was, obviously it's, it's nothing, like, I suppose maybe it's a bit different given that I cover under 23s games. So that kind of, Atmosphere isn't too alien to reporting, but watching on telly is 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 very odd experience, and it, it does feel like the fact you know something massive is missing. And I think I don't think the quality was quite there. But then I suppose for for example, with that the the players have had a long time off, haven't they? But I think the the Bayern Dortmund game has been the best game I've seen so far. That one was sort of top class. Um, I don't think that would have got any better with fans there in terms of the actual play on the pitch. I found the stats interesting after the first weekend where there was sort of less fouls, the balls in play more and things like that. And I guess that's because players aren't sort of reacting to what the fans are, are sort of screaming about or, you know, getting annoyed with the fans or whatever. So I thought, I think it's about as close as we're going to get, isn't it, in this period um, of time back to football. And I think we all want to see it return. It's not quite the finished product because, as we know, fans are the most important um, aspect of the match day experience, just from us being in the ground and talking to people to how they can affect games when you're, you're at home. Because the away 
the away team really does have a massive advantage now, not having to come to Ellen Road or not having to go anywhere else, wherever it may be, up and down the country. And I think you've seen that in the Bundesliga as well. You've seen teams away from home um, have far more success now. It's playing behind closed doors. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams adapt to it, um, whether it's going to help Leeds or not. I, it's hard to know until you start seeing them. It's going to be interesting to see how they... They get back into the rhythm of things. The way that Bielsa trains them, you'd think that they would be at an advantage, but I guess, I guess we'll see um, come Sunday lunchtime. Yeah, we will. Uh, I, I did watch the first weekend. I watched the Borussia Dortmund game uh, when Haaland scored that the first goal. And it did nothing for me. It just it left me cold, really. And I don't know whether it's because I, I didn't have any skin in the game, per se. You know, at least... When watching Leeds United and reporting on Leeds, my job is very much wrapped up in the consequences of the result, you know. And, and when Leeds do well and when Leeds are flying, the YEP does well and the YEP is flying. And um, and we very much would like to be a newspaper covering a Premier League team. So there is a lot, an awful lot resting on um, what happens when Leeds United play football. So it was, it just did nothing for me. It left me cold. And the fact that there was no noise was there. Um, that that wasn't for the first games, was it? There was no crowd noise piped in. Um, I think it does sound better with crowd noise piped in. I am looking forward to being at Ellen Road and being able to hear, you know, albeit in Spanish, all the yelling from the bench. Um, but yeah, the, the Bundesliga just wasn't for me. Maybe I'm not the football purist. I thought I was, but it just it didn't thrill me as much as winning the. Uh, the first division with Leeds United. <laughs> no, nothing ever will in your lifetime. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but I, I, I know what you mean. Like it, it, but I think it's true of a lot of football. Is that do you really watch it properly? If um, if you've not got a skin in the game, I guess the playoffs are a bit different because there's something on the line and it's a lot more interesting. But I suppose for a lot of people, unless their teams on, they might not necessarily tune in to the Bundesliga. If you didn't tune into the Bundesliga before, watching it without fans is going to be a very sort of watered down experience anyway, isn't it? Especially when you have no affinity to any of the teams. So yeah, I can get that. I think once people start seeing their teams play again, I think it'll be a very different experience. And I'm sure like many people sort of across Leeds this week when Monday morning came and they suddenly realised it was match week I'm sure some nerves started kicking in thinking oh god you know we're actually we've actually got the stress of of, of watching Leeds United try and win promotion to the, to the Premier League this week yeah so I just wanted to ask because obviously we, we, we did have a point where we weren't even sure the season would be played and there was still all the calls for null and void and um, Calvin Phillips admitted he he didn't believe at one stage they were actually going to get to play this season. He thought it would be something else would happen, PPG or or null and void or something like that. I guess that's the Leeds fan in him. But what did you ever fear at any point that that the opportunity would be taken away from Leeds or that or that the season wouldn't get played? Um, I think everyone would be lying if they didn't think that the season that the season wasn't just going to be done. I think especially when. They got into a rhythm, didn't they, of saying, we're meeting on Friday and then they'd have a meeting and then they'd say, we're meeting next Thursday and it'd just keep running like that for weeks. You're just thinking they're just kicking it into the long grass here and waiting for someone else to make a decision. Um, 
So there was definitely a point in time where I thought, we're not going to see football again this year, to be honest, because just everything that transpires. But I guess that's because we're not out of, obviously, the woods yet. But at one point, you know, we were right in the middle of, of this pandemic and it was looking pretty bleak and football was really not important at that, at that stage. And it still isn't particularly massively important to a lot of people. But it's good to have it back to sort of take your mind away because I think a lot of people said last night that for 90 minutes, you know, their mind was elsewhere and it was sort of nice just to get engrossed with a football match again. So, yeah, it's... <laughs> I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't think... It's going to be a great from a spectacle point of view, but the nerves are going to kick in, aren't they? And, and the thrill of reporting again will, will come back very quickly, I think, once we get engrossed in the games. Did you want them to decide it by points per game? Deep down within your soul, would you admit that? <laughs> um, can you ask me in six weeks? And then I'll... <laughs> answer no I don't think anyone wanted that well no I'll be lying so obviously some people would have wanted that but I think the majority would say that they want they, they wouldn't like an asterisk next to anything um I can't was it Phil who made the point that no like so I think it was on Twitter that, that this football club doesn't want anything handed to them and it's a very true point I think it's sort of ingrained in in the sort of very soul of the football club that it, it wants to earn everything on merit and having that asterisk and just the, what would have come from opposition fans as well of prodding saying, well, you know, you only got promoted that year because you didn't, you didn't bottle it the last nine games. You know, that kind of all that fun and, and, and joking that goes on on lovely social media. But yeah, I don't, think, um, I don't think I would have liked to have seen that. And I don't think the majority of Leeds fans would have liked, liked to have seen that anyway. I don't think a football club, I don't think it's in, in its very nature to have something like that handed to it. And especially after 16 years, I think we obviously know that we're not going to have or not going to see celebrations all together at, at any full-time whistle in the near future if it were to happen. But at least you can sort of enjoy that one moment with people remotely, whether it's on social media or on Zoom or on you know whatever your FaceTime that people are watching sort of elsewhere or if you're in the garden socially distancing watching it on on the tv screen or whatever i think at least there could potentially be that moment for people to still savor and remember and then if there was to be a celebration in future that's that's the time to do it so i don't think anyone wanted it would have been really odd to just to have got like a notification from sky sports or the bbc just saying Leeds United are now in the Premier League. I think on like a Monday afternoon, it would have just been really, really weird. And it would have just been a bit like shrug your shoulders and then go, all right, this isn't quite the feeling that, that Leeds United will have wanted after 16 years away. It upsets me that you said receiving a notification from another media outlet other than the YUP. Well, um, I, I did it, unfollow it, you for three months. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it strikes me after 46 weeks of covering this club that they do like to do things the hard way um like actually what this time has allowed us to do or what has allowed me to do is to get to know a little bit more of the history a little bit more about the characters you know i've interviewed howard wilkinson and people like that and written about 91 92 written about the fairest cup wins um all of that kind of stuff and um even the first fairest cup win they had to do you know they did it the hard way and that's how they uh they were almost fond of saying that you know that that generation of, of doing stuff we did it properly um and when you speak to calvin phillips when you speak to jack harrison and when we spoke to the main man himself marcelo bielsa today you very much get the sense that they would not have been happy had they just gone up on points per game 
So I asked Bielsa today, yeah, let's talk about that. that first ever Zoom press conference with Marcelo Bielsa. Um, it was fantastic, really. It worked really, really well. There was a, a fear, I think, in all of us that it might be difficult because there's the element of the translation and there's technology involved and we're not there. Um, we haven't spoken to him since football broke up. So we've gone without Bielsa wisdom for three months. It's been a long time, really. So there would have been so much we could have talked about. Like today could have been, had we been at Thorpe Arch under normal circumstances, you would have been looking at 60 to 90 minutes, I reckon, because there would have just been so much to talk about. But because we're doing it through Zoom, we were we each kind of had a set number of questions we could ask. So you had to kind of stick to the big ones that you really needed to know. So the first one I asked him was, what did the break before players came back to training give you an opportunity to do in terms of work, in terms of analysis? And he didn't answer that question. Um, so, well, I mean, he gave me a very polite answer, but it wasn't to the kind of the question I asked. And then, and then I asked him, how important do you feel it was to play these games and not to go up via PPG? Um, and he made it very clear that he would have been really disappointed had they not played and earned the opportunity. Um, he's very disappointed that fans won't be in the stadium. That's not what he would have wished for at all. So it will be bittersweet, but ultimately he wants to play for this chance. And that's what all the players we've spoken to have, have echoed as well. There's no sense of wanting the easy way out. Um, Coincidentally, Baron Cross very helpfully asked the same question as my first question in order to try and get it answered. And Marcelo gave us another very polite answer that, again, <laughs> didn't answer the question. <laughs> but was also very interesting about how they phased their return to training to get back up to murder ball in 11v11. Um, it was fascinating, though, seeing Marcelo through a screen. And he seemed in really good form to me. Just watching from sort of afar obviously I wasn't on it but it was it looked like um, I don't know like I'm not sure like something that you are going to tell sort of your grandkids about in like 40 years it's like like imagine at the start of the season when you sort of got the job you like you'd say fast forward like to June next year the season's not going to be finished you're going to have done a press conference over Zoom with Marcelo Bielsa, the world-renowned head coach. <laughs> Just such an odd circumstances, but here we are, I guess. I think if someone had said that your three-year-old daughter will make a loud noise that will be audible on the press conference footage, <laughs> then I might, then I might have believed that. Um, but as I've said to another couple of people, there is now a very distinguished list of people that I have been on a Zoom or a Skype or a Microsoft Teams meeting or a phone call with during this period that she has interrupted. Um, you know, I could I could reel them off. It would make a very good football team and it would have two very good managers in Marcelo Bielsa and Howard Wilkinson. Um, Bielsa also said that they didn't do a friendly. They could have done a friendly, but they preferred to stick with 11 v 11 because they have three teams, he said. They have three players for each position. Um, so they did 11 v 11. He said that having a friendly would, would involve difficulties that they'd have to overcome. And I guess that means that you know the logistics and the protocol of coming into contact with another team and trying to keep socially distant. I think they just thought, why risk it? Why not? You know, We have teams here. And also, all the players say that murder ball is harder than a real game. 
So if you can play at a higher intensity amongst yourselves than you would do if you had Newcastle United come down to play at Thor Barch, then then why not just keep everyone else at bay and keep the players safe? And also, you know, you're getting 22 players playing a game rather than having to swap a team out at half-time or, or even trying to organise two sort of separate 11s for two games because I think that's what Cardiff have done, hasn't it? Didn't they? they? They played two games with two 11s against Swansea at the weekend before Leeds go there this weekend. So, yeah, I think we've seen the effects of Murderball from pre-seasons gone by and, and how well it's prepared them in the past. So if it's worked, why change? Big shame, uh, the news coming out of today's press conference that Pablo Hernandez will not be fit for Sunday. He'll return to training next Wednesday. Um, Leeds were hopeful that he would be available, but he won't be. They, w- they did not expect this to be a long-term injury, so the hope will be that he'll return sooner rather than later. One player for whom, however, there is still a big question mark is Jean-Kevin Augustin. Now, he did recover from that injury he did get himself fit and lean and lose a lot of weight and he he was able to return for full training when they came back but there were noises about concerns over fresh injury or or questions that he may well have exacerbated the previous injury or not quite recovered from it and then when we asked Bielsa today he said uh, he's not been injured since April but he's doing necessary individual fitness work and I think whilst there's a confusing picture here in that we don't really quite know what's gone off with the injury and his fitness and why he's needing this extra work, but ultimately he's not available because he's not fit and up to speed for whatever reason, whether it was an injury, whether he's never quite fully recovered, whether he needed more time and more Bielsa football, more murder ball. I'm not quite sure what it is, but he's not going to play a part. But what I wonder is, would he have started this game anyway? And I would suspect the answer would be no. Probably not, but I guess it, as we know from, from the past with, with Marcelo is that it, it depends on your murder ball showing, doesn't it? To, as to whether you're, you know, you're good enough to start. But I think Patrick Bamford's been proven to be his man. He fits the system well. He knows it best. It is a real shame that we're not going to see Augustine um, this week. Whether we see him in the future, who knows? Because you'd find it very difficult for him to dislodge anyone in the starting eleven now with nine games to go. Once we get up and running, especially with the sort of Saturday midweek, Saturday midweek, once the first week's out of the way. So whether we see him at all, but it's a massive shame because I think a lot of Leeds fans were getting excited about the sort of taking the positives in the extended break was that he would get, give, give himself opportunity to to get fit and see what Leeds were potentially going to buy in the summer if he is to move, make the move permanent. And now we're not going to see that and we're not going to sort of get a taste of what he's all about. Obviously seeing flashes, but you don't really ever feel like we got the actual player. So it's a massive shame. And obviously Pablo's absence is is always felt, but you'd hope that, you know, Tyler Roberts, all the noises that we've been hearing, he's sort of stepped up to the plate in training and it sounds like he's moving well and he was really coming into his own before the break. So fingers crossed he can sort of step in there and and take that on his shoulders. I think the loss of Pablo is a far greater loss for Leeds United because Pablo has been a a key part of getting Leeds to the top of the championship, whereas Jean-Kevin hasn't really played any part at all 
and getting Leeds to the top of the championship. He's played 48 minutes since he came in in January. Um, it just hasn't really happened for him. An injury has probably played a big part in that. Um, I suspect if he's not in full training with the team right now, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for him to play this season because there's no 23s games for him to get to to show Bielsa he's ready. A player like Pablo, at his age particularly, and with his experience and his ability, I suppose, his proven ability to Marcelo, if he has a minor niggle and is back in full training next week, he could potentially play the weekend after. He could, he could potentially play against Fulham. But for me, Jean-Kevin is going to have to get up to such a certain fitness level that he's allowed to go back into murder ball and prove himself again. And I just think with the short time we're looking at and when we reach that Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, I can't see anything more than a cameo very late in the season, if anything, for him. No, I agree. And it, and you'd, you'd have to wonder how many murder ball sessions they'll they'll be doing when they've got three games a week. I'm assuming maybe it'll be the under-23s that'll be doing a lot of murder ball to keep them fit for in case they have to get drafted in for injuries or anything like that. So maybe if he can get up to speed in one of those, but it... I completely agree. It's really hard to see him dislodging anyone in, in the starting eleven. The place on the bench, possibly, towards the end of the season. But by that point, you know, we don't know where Leeds will be, whether they'll still need him. Fingers crossed they don't, but we don't know. So it's just a massive shame that it, it just feels like the injury has, has really hindered him. And it, you do wonder how much there is any point under, BL, under a Bielsa regime there is of making any January signings now, but I suppose that's that's a question for another time. It's just a shame that Augustine's not going to really play much of a role, if if at all, in this in this nine game running. But Patrick Bamford and Tyler Roberts look like sort of be striking options going forward. So um, it's all on them. It's all on them and goal machine Luke Ayling to fire <laughs> lead to promotion. Um, he's been dining out on that goal so much ever since, and I'm not sure he'll ever stop. I don't get the sense, the sense that he is prepared to even consider not dining out on that goal. Imagine if it doesn't win goal of the season. Like the shock <laughs> the ailing household will be. You'll be able to hear the screams from around Leeds, won't you? He might shave his head in protest. You know, just something really, <laughs> something really drastic, really dramatic. Um, you, I believe, took a little look at what Neil Harris, the sometimes mischievous Neil Harris, the cheeky Neil Harris had to say, former Millwall player and boss who has a bit of history with Leeds United, has, has got one over on them a couple of times. Um, what did he have to say in his presser today? Um, so he he did the old thing of, he said that they had niggles, but he didn't say who had niggles because he didn't want to give Leeds any advantage as if Marcelo Bielsa hasn't watched every game that Cardiff have played for the last six years. Um, so, <laughs> There was, yeah, there was that, and um, he obviously mentioned about you know taking leads um, as a scalp this this weekend would would sort of set the marker for the rest of the season. The usual sort of cliched stuff, I think, from a lot of championship managers you get. I think he probably knows as much as anyone. It's probably the toughest game you can have coming straight back in from three months layoff, um, trying to trying to take on a Marcelo Bielsa side because we know as as, as much as anyone that that leads will be fit and right at it and ready to go and Cardiff will have to have to match that and you do wonder without fans whether 
they'll find it sort of difficult in the last the latter periods of the game to sort of pick themselves up because I think that's what a lot of teams do when Leeds come to town is they sort of feed off the fans um, quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to see that effect um, when Leeds go away from home, sort of playing without fans there. Um, yeah, it was just his usual self. He, he did mention the 3-3 and I think he said it was the highlight of his managerial career so far. Um, getting a 3-3 draw, I'm not sure should be anyone's highlight of, of their <laughs> But there you go. To, to be fair, they were absolutely... <laughs> They were dead and buried. Yeah, it was. It was Leeds United three, Lee Tomlin three, really, wasn't it? Because he was. He just like turned into Messi the last half an hour of that game at Elm Road. Yeah, he's got a touch on him. Uh, no, Lee Tomlin. No, no, man sent off as well, didn't they? The centre half got sent off. Was it Morrison? Am I forget. Uh, I yes, he did. yeah, he that went. Was the he same went, game. He went through in Cadia, didn't he? It was like three um, years ago, so I can't remember the exact game, but. Yeah, it was definitely that game. Yeah, I've really done some research before we did the podcast. That would probably have have helped. You should have. You should really have done some research <laughs> before the podcast. We'll talk about that uh, later. So I think. I mean, we've done the team news. We don't know if we're going to be in Cardiff or not yet. We've got our application in for accreditation, but I mean, it's only Thursday night, and the game's on Sunday, so there's loads of time to sort stuff like that out. Um, have you have you figured out what time if you do get a pass you're gonna have to get up and, and go to South Wales? Have you figured out I might, the map yet? I might leave the country on Saturday um to make sure that I'm there in time. But you're gonna I sleep have, in the car. I might do. I don't know. Leeds might have to sleep <laughs> on a coach. I haven't heard yet whether or not they've managed to secure that is themselves. That's a good point actually. That is a good point. A hotel. Watched the Premier League last night and Gary Neville like spent the first 20 minutes of, of Man City v Arsenal complaining and just whining on about the fact that Arsenal had flown up from London at 5pm and he couldn't quite figure out in his head why this had happened. But it is an interesting situation because obviously it's a 12 o'clock kickoff, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, if they're not, obviously, with the current situation, they won't, you'd imagine they're not staying in a hotel, are they? So what are they going to do? Well, I, I think they were exploring the options last I heard, and, and they're probably hoping to find somewhere that will that will let them stay. Mm. Um, I mean, money talks in, you know, and, and also the government very much wants this to happen. They very much want football to take place and for everyone to have something to distract them a little bit, um, you know, so that we're not still talking about Daniel Rashford in a uh, in a day or two. Um, but I, I suspect that they'll they'll sort it out. They'll fly down the day before, and they'll they'll find somewhere to kip. Um, if not, you know, there are lots of lovely camping spots in Wales that you could you could set up. You know, some tents. Um, who would you want to Who would you want to tent with? Berardi, in case there was wild animals, or Berardi, in case there was a bear. Um... <laughs> Great question, that. Who would I want to sleep in a tent with from the Leeds United squad? Um, <laughs> I've had three months to think about this. <laughs> um, I'm so taken aback, I can't even think of an answer. Who plays for Leeds? It's been so long. Who even plays for Leeds anymore? I th- I'll tell you what the correct answer is. It's Pablo Hernandez, because he, t- he doesn't take up a lot of room. 
I was about to say Pablo because he because of the stories and the wisdom that he would you know when you sat around like the campfire late at night he'd have like very good these stories to tell you from like years very good and everyone knows that his eyes look like they've seen some stuff so <laughs> they have it's yeah I think Pablo would be would be the storyteller who would be sat with the guitar or we'd we'd be Bamford wouldn't it Bamford Bamford would definitely we, go we home, saw that go yeah. home to get it we saw that in uh, the documentary. And then I've never saw it actually, did we? No. Um, I think we've just about wrapped it up, really. Um, there's some EFL temporary rules that have been brought in that you can read about on the YEP website. Uh, we've got some stuff from Jackie Haradonna to come this weekend on the YEP website. We've also, and this is why you should either nip to the shops tomorrow with your mask on and get yourself a copy of the YEP or order it from our subscription line. And that will be all over Twitter tomorrow. We've got a special supplement that's kind of themed around getting leads over the line, what needs to happen, what they need to do. Um, a bit of tub thumping, something to get you pumping your chest, like, like Lee Sobot at an airport on his way to, for a holiday. Um, so make sure, <laughs> make sure you get a copy of that. Uh, and also Saturday's YEP will be, uh, will be special as well. Um, what, what I can't quite believe, Joe, is that we've managed to get a back page and Leeds United pages filled with actual words that generally make sense about some kind of topic that is current every day, barring Sundays, since football went away. It's been an unbelievable period of time for journalism. Yeah, fair play. I mean, I've not been around, so it's been even, an even bigger triumph. For and the, that's the whole reason. That, that was the whole setup, so that I could joke about the fact that you didn't play any part. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no thanks to you, but I thought that was too, too far, too harsh. Especially for a first podcast back, we need to ease our way in. This is our this is our small group training podcast before next week's murder ball podcast. Two footed. To be fair, it is a murder ball, isn't it? Because it's Fulham. Wow. What a game that's going to be. Anyway, that's for the next podcast. Yeah, let's talk about Fulham next week. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks as well if you listened to the last podcast we recorded six years ago called uh, Boyhood Heroes. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots of people listened to that, which is really lovely because we haven't been able to podcast ever since. Um, but we will be podcasting regularly as we normally do. Uh, people will pick us up on that. When you say regularly, <laughs> uh, well, as regularly as, as twice as in one. six months, <laughs> <laughs> we'll be podcasting with some regularity um, from here on in. Thanks very much for joining us. Get yourself on the YEP website and have a click around, and we will speak to you next week.